You're listening to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views, and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. Hello, I'm Colin Steed, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Learning Now Radio. Learning Now Radio is Learning Now TV's bi monthly podcast for all learning and performance professionals. This is Learning Now Radio with Colin Steed and Lisa Minogue White. Welcome to episode 7 of Learning Now Radio. Firstly, thank you so much for your valuable feedback. Please keep it coming and let us know who you'd like to hear from in future episodes. In this episode, we're concentrating on how learning professionals need to stop focusing on training and get into a performance mindset. If we are really to make a difference to our organisations, we really must realise that you're just wasting your time talking to senior management in L&D speak. To be valuable or even considered useful to the business, you need to speak in their language. So I'm delighted to welcome to Learning Now Radio the former L&D director of T-Mobile, John Delano. John has recently published a book, The Learning Leaders Playbook, which will give you all you need to know to really understand the performance mindset so you can get the ear of the senior management in your organisation. Lisa recently caught up with John to talk to him about it. I'm delighted to welcome John Delano to Learning Now Radio, and this interview couldn't be more timely. Um, John is co-founder and CEO of Saltbox, experts in LRS and XAPI, um, as some of you may well know, and hopefully some of you using their services. But John was also former director of learning and development at T-Mobile and uh, had previous roles with AT&T. So he's certainly got plenty of operational experience as well. And the reason why this is so timely is John has recently written a book. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment and introduce it. Um, but I just wanted to set the scene actually for you, John, as well. So hello, John. Hello, good to talk with you. You too. And also for the audience about why I think this particular conversation is so timely. Towards Maturity launched their industry benchmark survey for, um, uh, sorry, their report on the survey, I should say, for 2015. And I tuned into the webinar where Laura Overton presented some of the key findings. But one of the really big takeaways, um, and I'm sure you'll agree, John, in the last 12 months has been a big conversation about, you know, the L&D revolution. But what came out of that report was that the top deck are perhaps even maybe breaking away from the rest of the pack. And the audience expressed quite a clear frustration at the lack of kind of significant shifts in approaches by L&D and that kind of ingrained perception of what L&D and HR are to the business. So not just perhaps a perception of themselves, but what the HR think of them. And it's really about getting learning as part of the workflow. And that's what those top deck organisations are doing. Now, I've just finished reading your new book, John, The Learning Leaders Playbook. And it's such a clear theme about learning becoming part of the business flow and aligning themselves to real business strategy. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what's motivated you to write this book. 
Well, yes, I think uh, what you addressed in some of the problems that people are facing out there in general of there's a lot of information available that what we should be doing, uh, things that we want to do. Uh, however, when I came into this role here, uh, both at T-Mobile and then when I started Saltbox, uh, there was really no playbook. There was, well, how do I really do it? Mm-hmm. What steps do I need to take to be able to actually facilitate and discuss these things? So that's the, the impetus of the book itself is, is that roadmap of how can I get my hands dirty or roll up my sleeves, so to speak, and get it done. And I think that was one of the key things that came out is that although the reports and the surveys, they're incredibly useful, there's a real hunger for, I need to know how I get the attention of the board. So John, based on the learning model canvas that you discuss in the book, how do learning and development professionals get the ear of the board? Well, I think that there's an interesting statistic I'll start with uh, that I found, you know, first off, my my passion is for that moment that someone uh, like an employee is being coached by a manager or a customer is receiving information or talking to a particular employee. Uh, and even coaching, for instance, a coach would be teaching a player in baseball or something. There's a magical moment that things happen there. And a lot of learning and development development themselves uh, have a passion for that moment. We want to do things and provide valuable things. But the studies are showing that you know workers are increasingly going around uh, learning and development. Recent, recent study by Metrics That Matter shows that 66% of employees are going around learning and development for their learning. Uh, and there's some, something in that same survey showed that only 25% of the managers out there are happy with the way training is being delivered to their employees. So there's this bis- big disconnect between a bunch of wonderful people in learning and development and, and wanting, I've never seen a group of people want to help so much as, as learning and development does. But why is there this big disconnect. You know, what is the big disconnect there that's happening? So I think that's part of the impetus of starting Learning Model Canvas. And to your direct question then is the canvas is the ability to use a tool, a framework to go into each of the nine components that learning and development leaders need to understand to make that transition or cross that gap in performing and delivering what they want to do uh, and aligning that with what people are looking for. And when I was reading the opening section to the book, and I'll be honest, John, I was slightly conflicted because the approach that you take is talking about the fact that learning and development need to think about selling that idea in. And this isn't just about doing, you know, this isn't just about doing a fancy sales pitch. This is about if you're truly, for example, if you come from consultative sales background, you are looking truly at the problem and coming up with a holistic and measurable solution to that problem. But just like you said, lots of people go into L&D because they genuinely want to help. And when I read that section, I thought, I wonder what learning and development will think about considering themselves as approaching this from a sales perspective. But I know that, you know, continuing to to read the book, that, that it's much more subtle, actually, your message than, than, than um, be a salesperson. It's about thinking about 
solutions, about solution selling, about how you have to have all of your ducks in a row. You have to have all of your evidence. You have to have a complete and deep understanding to come to the right solution. And I thought that was an interesting way to kind of help learning and development perhaps refocus their energies in the organization. Yeah, uh, I think that there's there's three key things, you know, knowing your business, and we just mentioned the learning model canvas, the dynamics that goes through it, uh, but being able to sell the solution that you're bringing to them is a key part of that. And certainly measuring your business uh, to prove and validate the model or the solution that you're working with uh, to the executives is critically important. But I think the, the base where that comes from is a lot of times uh, L&D, and, and I'm one of them, by the way, Ask the question, well, why don't executives get this? Why don't they understand that mobile learning, we need to do it? Why don't they understand informal learning? Uh, They should just see the value in doing this. The fact of the matter is they don't. They're not experts. That's the part of knowing your business. You and L&D are the expert of your business. Unfortunately, others aren't. And executives and companies are used to being told, are, are encouraged, are sold, uh, why this solution solves one of their business problems. That's the key ingredient. We can do this because it solves a pain point or some sort of business critical moment that they, or moment or uh, outcome they're looking for. So it's important that we, we call it gaining buy-in in learning and development, but really is selling your solution. It is. And I think it also pinpoints another key issue. Um, And this is something actually that you could see coming out again in the webinar today. But I've been noticing recently there's a big conference going on in the UK at the moment. And I know having been over in Devlin, it's not that much different, actually, is there's another disconnect. And there's a disconnect with the language that learning and development use and that we all use together. And I mean, like you said, the great thing is, there's lots of lovely, genuinely lovely people working in this space that want to network and form a community and and talk together about these challenges. But the problem is that can become almost a sort of a a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's kind of a self-feeding cycle where we're all talking the same language. We all understand this stuff. But actually, we've got to talk the language of the business because that's what that's what's going to get through. Yes. And, and you'll see on the canvas itself, then there's things like the value proposition. Executives understand the value proposition, especially if they're in sales and customer service and those types where you have to have a clear value proposition uh, from your competitors. So, you know, what are what is L&D tr- trying to develop the skills? There are several different value propositions executives will understand if it's in their language. That's the first thing. I think the the second thing that really comes out is business outcomes. And business outcomes themselves is what executives understand. Are are you trying to move the needle in something? What is the outcome you're trying to get by doing your training or your skills development experience, whatever it might be? And those, again, typically are around moving either high-level company metrics, uh, could be improving customer satisfaction, uh, could be a level down, uh, hitting a specific sales goal or a safety feature or a manufacturing objective for safety. Uh, It could be that or down to a particular pain point someone is having. But the point of it is it has nothing to do with L&D or L&D speak. It has to do with the business speak that you're solving for them. So that 
first part of language is important. The other thing I see L&D doing, and I am guilty of this coming from a world of solution selling and consulting, is they'll skip right over the business outcome piece, mm-hmm. meaning what do we want to accomplish by this training? Oftentimes, executives and others don't know. They won't have an answer. It's just easier to do training and check it off the box. But the reality is, is as a consultant or as a learning and development leader, if you can't define success of that initiative, it's pretty much guaranteed it won't be successful or there will be no measurable results. So you have to look at it from a consultant perspective as a learning and development leader and be able to say from a business outcome, how do we know we will both be mutually successful here? And do not go past that point until you can find that answer. And I think that what this also taps into, John, which I think is incredibly important for the profession at the moment, is, as you will know, probably better than most people being co-founder of Saltbox, that the, um, the one of the challenges with XAPI has been, in its most basic sense, but what does it mean to us? And I know that you and I had a very quick conversation actually when I was over in the States about this, that there is this um, disconnect between uh, this concept of being XAPI compliant or what XAPI will do for the business because almost being XAPI compliant is almost irrelevant. What XAPI brings to the business is it works when you can define success through business metrics. What are you trying to get to and understand the inputs and outputs and the actions and catalysts around that. And what XAPI can help you to do is look for those moments, look for those um, uh, influences on business outcome that's where you start it's not a we must be compliant with this technology it's much much more intelligent than that yes absolutely the the start of it when we as a learning and development leader if you're looking at the end of the outcome or the business outcome we're looking for then you simply work backwards from that and that is okay i have a business outcome i'm trying to accomplish Uh, Then, for instance, I'll use an example here of customer service. We know that we want to improve customer service, you know, 90 plus percent. Great. Well, then what actual behaviors do you need to see customer service reps demonstrate? And we know there are things like ask uh, ask for ask the customer name or use the customer name uh, to be able to resolve a call in a certain amount of time. Uh, those types of things. There's several of them. Well, where are you going to see those things? Well, those things we're going to see out of you know uh, Salesforce.com, or we're going to see them in the call routing systems, or we're going to see them in uh, particular areas that we call uh, workflow systems that they're in every day. That those things. So XAPI enables you to be able to understand that link of all three of those and then develop content that is XAPI compatible and use XAPI to bring in the actual leading indicators and ultimately the business outcomes into a single location called the learning record store. That's the big advancement. What you said at the start is, well, being XAPI compatible doesn't matter. It doesn't if if all you're tracking is test scores and completions. Exactly. You can do that already. But if you're tracking behaviors, leading indicators, business outcomes and challenges, then you have the ability to bring that in and both 
report on it, which is exciting because you can do it, you know, generally in one place for the first time, but really explore the data, browse the data and see if you can start to piece together what's effective, what's working and what's not. Well, and it's like every other question, isn't it, John, that the organization has to ask itself. If the question starts with, um, we should be XAPI compliant, we should do mobile, uh, we should, all our content should be responsive. But why? And all of those things may be valid. All of those those inputs may be absolutely valid. But if you've started with, you know what the success criteria you're going after, you know the business outcome that you're looking for, those things start to make sense. They then they're much less complex than you think because it, it's intuitive. Like you said, it you know we know that it's not going to be one particular action that will affect that outcome of incre- increased uh, levels of cut- customer satisfaction. It will be all sorts of ways in which we work with the systems that we have, the efficacy of our processes, the skills and knowledge of our people, the quality of our products and services, all of those things. And then you start to understand, ah, this is why things like XAPI then start to make sense. Yes. And the great thing is, is you can do that on a very small scale, you know, get started. It could be one, one or two or three systems or one or two metrics. We have a customer that wants to move more from informal learning. Uh, And so simply being able to look at com and chatter usage, uh, you know, what things are working in those communities that we don't have to put in the learning management system now? You know, so what ratio, uh, how are we developing and what ratio of things are we doing that go into a learning management system currently uh, versus the ratio that we want going forward that would be maybe in chatter, salesforce.com or other workflow tools. We're going to measure, that is just one of four things we're going to measure on that. But understanding that you can start very small and do things like that to build the learning ecosystem over a multi-year period is critical and is very, very nice benefit of Experience API. And that's exactly it, because you can start with a with one of the burning platforms in the organization, can't you? It's not that it doesn't become this huge um organization-wide project that feels unwieldy, you can start with something that really needs to happen and work very intensively with that and then get the business results. And then you get the viral adoption with the rest of the business, don't you? You get other people then saying, wow, that's really interesting. We could really benefit from that approach. Yeah, absolutely. And as you identify some of the behaviors that aren't happening that L&D can have an influence on or some of the processes in the organizations that are having an effect on achieving some of those business goals. Once you have that small data, then you can bring it back into the learning model canvas and say, well, hey, you know, the relationship we were looking for for the actual employees that that relationship is a self-service relationship and kind of in a performance support model. So we've now identified that and we've made some great steps along the way. Let's take a look at the next step to move us along to our two-year, our three-year period, and we'll track those results along the way. So it's a clear way to not only visualize and explain to your executives what it is you're accomplishing, how you're accomplishing it, and how it affects their business, but also gives them a roadmap and an understanding of the critical interdependencies of having good partners, being able to have the tools to design correctly, focus on skills development versus information dissemination. Those types of things all then come into a play with executives in solving their business problem and resourcing you to do that. Well, 
I think, John, the way that we can wrap this up is with one of the final statements that you make in the book, because I think it's been so motivational speaking to you, I think, for learn, hope, I hope learning development professionals feel this in terms of the real impact that they have and the massive opportunity, actually, that lays ahead for anybody working in learning development. And one of the lines I really like towards the end of the book is saying the get information step. So that, like you say, that deep dive into the organisation that finds that one thing that will make executives look like a hero it's do that make your business feel like heroes and you will be the hero to the business yes absolutely and I know that sounds at some points people kind of chuckle it make them look like the hero but the reality is this if you can I call it that one thing if you can find that one thing that one thing being a business outcome uh, at a high level down to a pain point at a low level for that executive if you can find it and solve that problem, uh, then you'll get buy-in. You'll gain the buy-in on that. And the, the critical piece there is you have to get the information and you have to think like a consultant to say, if I can get that one thing to make them look like a hero, then we, learning and development and the executive, can solve a business problem and really look like a hero to the company. If you can't find that one thing, you find yourself in that hamster wheel that we are in today that is a lot of delays and minimum budgets and that type of thing. So it can be done if you think uh, yourself as a consultant and and follow uh, the, you know, get information and doing the right things, you absolutely have the power to do this. And it's not just in learning and development, it's in other parts of the organization as well. Well, John, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. I think people are really going to enjoy listening to this one. And thank you for joining us on Learning Now Radio. All right. Well, thank you, Lisa. I enjoyed it. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found the items useful for your work. Remember, if you have some suggestions of people you'd like us to interview, then please contact me at colin at learningnow.tv. Alternatively, if you fancy being interviewed by Lisa, then please contact me at the same address. So please remember to subscribe to the channel on iTunes, and we look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.